Welcome to CFAS podcast about investing in energy master limited partnerships. I'm Michael Hedstrom, director of CFA, and it's my pleasure to have with me Chris Eads, managing director and portfolio manager at Clearbridge Investments, an independent affiliate of Lake Mason. Chris co-manages multiple energy MLP strategies, and he has 24 years of investment industry experience. Chris, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your perspective on the market. Oh, Michael, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. MLP closed-end funds offer access to what is often talked about as a true American success story, that is, North America's energy renaissance and the growing demand for U.S. energy sources and supporting infrastructure. Chris, as a backdrop, what are your thoughts on how the story has played out so far? Well, it has been a very volatile ride for MLP investors over the past couple of years. Now, despite the volatility that we've seen in oil prices and in MLP stock prices, for that matter, most MLP business models have held up as we would have expected during the cyclical downturn and now the cyclical recovery in oil prices. Now, most of the assets owned by MLP companies generate cash flows not based on the price of oil or the price of natural gas, but rather on the volume of oil and the volume of natural gas. So while oil and natural gas prices have been exceedingly volatile over the past couple of years, MLP cash flows actually remained quite resilient and, in fact, grew in 2015 and in 2016, despite oil prices having fallen from more than $100 a barrel to $26 a barrel. Now, despite those resilient cash flows, MLP stocks did trade off by more than 55% from their August 2014 high to their February 2016 low. Essentially, what we saw in that period was that MLP stocks traded as if their cash flows were dependent on the price of oil and the price of natural gas, much like an oil and gas production company, uh, for a period of time. Now, in fairness, the severity of the downturn in MLP stocks was worse than we envisioned going into the cyclical downturn for oil and natural gas prices. But while over the short term, stocks can disconnect from their underlying cash flow fundamentals, we knew that ultimately stocks would begin to, again, discount cash flow fundamentals. This did take a while to occur, but the rebound that we have seen in MLP stock prices since February of 2016 reflects a market being much more rational in valuing the cash flow capabilities of these MLP companies and their assets. And as you mentioned, we've seen a lot of volatility and as well as news making headlines in the energy space. Uh, you also mentioned the, the February low last year of oil prices before they rebounded. OPEC recently announced production cuts. President Trump signed multiple executive orders in late January that were designed to expedite current and future midstream projects. Chris, let's talk a little bit about your outlook. What potential implications does a Trump presidency have for MLP companies? Well, a Trump presidency potentially has positive implications for MLP stocks, at, at least over the next four years and perhaps beyond that. Uh, I guess I would highlight four different things. I mean, first, uh, during the Obama administration, we did see delays in permitting uh, for new pipeline projects. That should become less of an issue, obviously, in the Trump administration. And obviously, as you mentioned before, within days of being inaugurated, President Trump signed executive orders easing the regulatory or permitting burdens on two very large uh, pipeline projects, Energy Transfer Partners Dakota Access Pipeline, or DAPL, as well as TransCanada's uh, Keystone Excel Pipeline. Now, these early executive orders signal an administration that seeks to foster development of energy resources in the United States and also an administration that will seek to limit uh, regulatory delays, which is obviously to the benefit of MLP companies. I think you also could see lead times uh, needed to receive drilling uh, permits on federal United States federal lands decrease. Uh, we certainly saw an increase in the lead times required during the Obama administration, 
but a Trump presidency should see a more streamlined process for well permits, which could allow for more development of federal lands across the U.S., obviously uh, eventually leading to an increase in production and uh, the resultant need for uh, incremental infrastructure to transport those volumes to the marketplace. I think it's also important to uh, note that Trump did uh, campaign uh, rather heavily on a vision of U.S. energy independence. He advocated increased drilling activity as a means to achieve this policy goal, and an administration that encourages drilling activity will very much benefit the MLP companies uh, from the resultant need for the transportation infrastructure. And the last thing that I would mention as it pertains to Trump is uh, don't forget that President Trump has populated his cabinet with individuals uh, with energy backgrounds or individuals from energy-producing states, uh, namely Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, who was the CEO of ExxonMobil before joining the Trump administration, Secretary of Energy nominee Rick Perry, who was the governor of, of Texas uh, prior, uh, and lastly, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency head nominee Scott Pruitt, who was Attorney General for Oklahoma. This is obviously an administration uh, that uh, is knowledgeable about energy, is probably in favor of energy, and all of these things bode well for energy companies broadly, but also MLP stocks specifically. And with that said, after rebounding so strongly in 2016 and into this year, are you concerned about a correction at all, or what is your broader outlook for MLPs in 2017? Well, I mean, stocks are always going to be volatile, and we've had a very big rebound, as you mentioned, uh, you know, off the lows that we saw in February. In fact, MLP stocks are, are up over 75% since the February 2016 lows. Uh, that being said, we're actually still very constructive on MLP stocks, uh, if you look at how we've started the year off, uh, we've gotten off to a very solid start here in early 2017 with the Illyrian MLP index up roughly 5%. In January, that would compare to the S&P 500 up 2%, utility stocks up 1%, uh, and REIT stocks, which were actually flat. Now, the performance in MLP stocks uh, in the early part of this year, I think, reflects uh, renewed investor confidence that oil and natural gas prices have bottomed and are poised to further recover. On the oil side, that's obviously a function of OPEC agreeing to production cuts, which I think has probably put a pretty firm floor on how low oil prices can go from here forward. And then you look at MLP company fundamentals uh, specifically, and I think we'll see MLP distribution growth in 2017 that will likely accelerate somewhat relative to the 3% distribution growth we saw in 2016. And very important as far as fundamentals for MLPs are concerned, after a modest decline in 2016, uh, we do expect U.S. oil and natural gas production to begin increasing again in 2017, and we actually think we'll likely see uh, the recent peaks in the second half of 2017, and from that point forward, any incremental production gains in the United States uh, will drive the need for incremental in infrastructure to process, transport, and store that increasing production, and obviously this in turn will likely lead to accelerating cash flow growth for MLP companies which should very importantly lead to accelerating distribution growth for the MLP companies that we invest in uh, as we head into the back half of 2017 and certainly as we see it uh, heading into uh, the early parts of 2018. Now, on average for the MLP sector, I think it's also very important to note as you think about outlooks, the balance sheets for these companies are in very healthy conditions right now, and these companies have ready access to both the debt and the equity capital markets, and this, in our opinion, leaves MLP companies extremely well positioned to not only execute these growth projects, but uh, equally as important to finance those growth projects, again, as we look over the uh, balance of 17 and into the uh, first parts of 2018. Now, though MLP stocks have staged an imp impressive rebound, as I mentioned before, I think it's also important to note that valuation for MLP stocks actually still remains below typical levels for this sector. 
Now, following the extreme lows of a year ago, uh, we expect, continue to expect, rather, MLP valuations to return to their historical average level. And this continued normalization of stock valuations, combined with what should be accelerating uh, cash flow growth, leaves us positive on MLP stocks looking out over the rest of this year and into 2018. And the last thing I'll, I'll just add in terms of output, outlook, rather, even though MLP uh, cashers are not really driven by the price of oil, uh, we do actually remain constructive on oil prices looking forward. Entering 2017, our expectation was that oil demand would eventually begin to exceed available supply, and this would likely necessitate inventory drawdowns and ultimately stronger oil prices. And we've mentioned OPEC a couple times already, but OPEC's decision to curb output is likely going to accelerate the inventory drawdowns uh, and more quickly result in firmer oil prices uh, looking forward. In addition, we also expect U.S. oil drilling activity to continue to increase uh, through 2017 as U.S. oil production very likely will be needed in the global market to ensure that the market does not move to an undersupplied position. And again, this increase in U.S. oil as well as natural gas production uh, is likely going to drive the need for new growth projects rather and higher cash flows for the MLP companies that we're invested in. Chris, you talked about MLP distribution growth. What impacts could rising interest rates have on MLP investments and distributions? Well, I, I think it really depends on what kind of rising interest rate we find ourselves in. You know, if we find ourselves in a, a, a situation where we have rapidly and very quickly uh, spiking interest rates, that's obviously going to be problematic for MLP companies, and for that matter, it would be problematic for most asset classes across the, uh, the capital market spectrum. Uh, there is the risk of spiking interest rates if Trump does follow through with his potentially inflationary fiscal spending uh, measures that he discussed during the campaign. We still don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but it's certainly something to, uh, to, to keep in mind and to monitor. However, uh, more likely, a gradual increase in interest rates I don't think is going to be an issue for MLP stocks as we look forward. Keep in mind, there have been, and I think a lot of people have forgotten this, there have been three periods over the last 10 years where we did see uh, 10-year Treasury rates increased by more than 100 basis points, or by 1%. And in all three of those periods, MLP stocks were up in terms of total return, and they actually posted better returns than other income-oriented stocks like utilities, uh, utility stocks and REIT stocks. I would also note that the absolute level of interest rates in those three most recent periods of uh, rising rates were actually much higher than the current rates that we've seen uh, in, in the market here of late. I'll just very quickly highlight these three uh, periods because I think it's important to see how these stocks behaved in recent periods of rising rates. So from the end of 2008 to middle of 2009, 10-year Treasury rates increased by 189 basis points to 3.95%, and over this period, MLP stocks were up 39%, utility stocks were down 4.6%, and REIT stocks were down 4.2%. Second period was from October 2010 to February 2011, and 10-year rates increased by 136 basis points to 3.73%, and over that period, MLP stocks were up 9.7%, utility stocks were up 2%, and REIT stocks were up 9.2%. The final period was July 2012 to December 2013, 10-year Treasury rates increased by 160 basis points to a little more than 3%, Uh, Over that period, MLP stocks were up 19.7%, utility stocks were up only 4.6%, and REIT stocks were up 8.7%. So that kind of brings us forward to where we are today, and obviously interest rates bottomed in the U.S. in July of last year in 2016, and they've since increased by 110 basis points, 
at the end of January to a still relatively low 2.45%, looking at the 10-year Treasury uh, interest rate. But over this period, importantly, MLP stocks were up 9%, utility stocks were down 4.3%, and REIT stocks were down 5.6%. So why do MLP stocks typically trade well relative to uh, certainly fixed income securities in a rising rate and interest rate environment? The easiest way to uh, sum that up is these are not fixed income securities. I mean, MLP stocks increase their income to investors over time, uh, which has left these stocks less likely to trade like bonds or other income-oriented stocks like utilities or REITs over the full interest rate cycle. Given your outlook, how are you trying to position your MLP portfolios? And look in long term, what trends do you anticipate in the MLP space in the next few years? Well, first, we focus on assets. Now, there's many kinds of assets that are owned by MLP companies. We do not invest in oil and gas production companies. We do not invest in oil field service or drilling rig companies. And we also do not invest in downstream refining or petrochemical companies. Why? Because the cash flows of these kinds of assets are definitely dependent on the price of oil and the price of natural gas. But what we do invest in are those companies whose assets are primarily focused on the transportation, processing, and storage of natural gas, natural gas liquids, crude oil, and refined products. These asset uh, cash flows are not based on the price of the commodity, but as I said before, rather the volume of the commodity moving through that infrastructure system. These are often fee-based businesses backed up with long-term contracts, and these are also typically assets that are government-regulated. You know, next, we obviously focus on the geography of these assets. Where are they located uh, within the United States? And in our view, the near-term production growth that we're expecting to see in the United States is going to be focused uh, on the Permian Basin in West Texas, what is called the scoop and stack play in western Oklahoma, and the Marcellus Shale play in Pennsylvania. Our portfolios are definitely constructed to gain exposure to those three regions. And we also believe that the Eagleford Shale play in South Texas could reemerge as another driver of production growth uh, in the second half of 2017, and maybe uh, that slips into the uh, first part of 2018. The next thing uh, we certainly focus on in terms of our portfolios are the balance sheets. This is a very capital-intensive business, and as such, we spend a lot of time focusing on the uh, balance sheets of our portfolio companies. Obviously, we focus on how balance sheets look today, but more importantly, how those balance sheets are going to look going forward as these companies attempt to finance their growth opportunities that they have in backlog, obviously typically with a mix of both debt uh, as well as equity. Now, this process leaves us with uh, a group of stocks that we consider investable from an asset perspective, a geographical perspective, and a financial perspective. And next, obviously, comes in valuation. That's the final part of our process to ensure these portfolios, uh, in terms of position sizes, are correctly uh, sized relative to the risk and reward. And I'll just add a couple more things as far as trends over the next few years. We do expect continued uh, growth in crude oil production, driven by the need in the global market for more U.S. oil barrels. We also expect more natural gas production growth. That's going to be driven by the need to export natural gas uh, via LNG or liquefied natural gas, as well as growing uh, demand from uh, power generation companies for natural gas. And I think uh, kind of forgotten is natural gas liquids, where we're going to see increased demand for uh, natural gas liquids from petrochemical plants coming into service uh, beginning this year over the next couple of years, as well as for exports. And very importantly, and perhaps simplistically, but it's the right way to think of it, I think, this production growth for all three of those commodities is going to drive the need for more energy infrastructure, and the companies we invest in are well-positioned to deliver the required infrastructure needs to transport, process, and store increasing uh, U.S. energy production. 
I also want to ask you about closed-end funds. What are some of the benefits of using the closed-end fund structure to invest in MLPs? I think there's several, actually. I mean, the first and foremost would simply be yield. Uh, the current yield of uh, investing in any of the four uh, uh, MLP closed-end funds that we manage here at ClearBridge is between 7 to 9%, and that's in a world where the 10-year Treasury is currently yielding roughly 2.5%. High-yield bonds are yielding a little bit more than 5%. Uh, so you're getting a significant yield uplift for a cash flow stream that we think is relatively secure over uh, you know, a full investment cycle given the types of assets that we're invested in. The other thing I would note is the income that these uh, funds generate is typically tax-advantaged income. This is uh, typically 75 to 80 percent of the income that these funds pay out is a return of capital, which is a tax-deferred income stream until you actually sell the fund itself. I guess next I would mention diversification. Instead of owning one or two MLP stocks in your portfolio, if you buy one of uh, our MLP closed-end funds, our funds typically have between 30 and 45 names. Obviously, that brings an immense amount of diversification relative to an investor who's simply trying to own a couple names in their portfolio. And the the other thing I'd mention as far as diversification goes is keep in mind that MLPs and and MLP funds as well, including the ones that we manage at ClearBridge, uh, have a low correlation to the broader equity market. They also have low correlation to uh, commodities, and they're inversely correlated to uh, 10-year treasury rates. Those are all benefits uh, that investors can achieve in terms of diversification beyond the number of names. Uh, the fact that these are, are, are stocks and portfolios that are lowly correlated to other uh, you know, asset classes that investors may have exposure to certainly brings benefit to those investors who own them. And then I guess the last thing I would mention as it pertains to uh, owning MLP stocks in a closed-end fund versus owning individual MLP stocks is you're not going to generate a K-1. You're not going to have to file a K-1 with uh, the U.S. government for owning an MLP closed-end fund, which you would have to do if you owned individual MLP stocks. So it's it's a more simple way to own these from a tax reporting uh, perspective as well. Chris, that was a very helpful overview. Thank you for being with us today and for sharing your thoughts on the MLP space. Michael, it was my pleasure. Thanks again. You can learn more about ClearBridge Investments and their closed-end funds on the Leg Mason website at legmason.com. We also have information available on CIFA.com, which is your comprehensive resource for education, data, and timely insight on closed-end funds. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.